Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, I'm joined once again by funny man and film lover Stephen M, and we're going to talk about our film this week, Suicide Squad. Ooh. Or... This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and coming to you from inside the mind of the Joker himself is Mr. Stephen M. Oh, yeah. How are you doing, sir? Good, good, man. Excited. Pumped for this uh, All right. review. Yes, and excellent, excellent. We are here uh, to talk about uh, Suicide Squad. But before we get into that, let's. I want to hear some of your thoughts on summer 2016, because... I mean, this you is know, kind of the film that's wrapping up the Hollywood movies of the summer. We haven't gotten Steven right. Spielberg's BFG over here yet, but it's already been released in the States. Okay, Paul, what was your favorite movie summer of your life? Wow. Um, Mine is 2008. Let me just recap for you a little, a little quickly. In, uh, Indiana Jones 4 started it, and it was Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Dark Knight, Tropic Thunder, and that was a great summer. Uh, oh, also, oh, we had uh, a few more of the, yeah, but I, that, 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 was, that was 2008, and that was a good summer for me. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm, thought this uh, might have been that, the second greatest summer of my life. Second best uh, summer, yeah. Second best, or maybe, it was definitely had the potential. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really rank my summers anymore. About, but, like, I just, 2008 was, like, such a memorable summer, because mm. that's when uh, Marvel started, and there was the Dark Knight. And then um, I, th- I think there's a few more after that, but I, c- I couldn't remember right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it, it, because movies are so different now in, in terms it of is, when they get it? released. You know, it's like there's no real movie summer anymore. It's yeah, like the movie. The summer, the summer starts like in April almost. I mean, sometimes depending on February. movie release schedules, you know. <laughs> Um, And then we get, you know, it used to be summer Christmas, and now it's like things extend over into Thanksgiving and in the November period um, for, you know, the holiday releases. And so, yeah, the release schedules is just kind of weird um, to be sure. But it's been a somewhat controversial year this year for summer movies. I I mean, I didn't see that coming. I honestly didn't see that coming. I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be more fun than it was, but that's not to say I didn't have fun. Part of me wonders too if it's too much if if we're just too invested in social media these days, and you know, people just because negativity generates buzz, and so you're always going to have a lot of naysayers and a lot of negativity surrounding things, right? Because it seems like everything that came out this year had something negative about it at some point, right? Um, but do you think we build it up too much with hype in me- the media now? Like I do, you- but I, I blame that on the studios as well. Because, I mean, look at, look at how they- far out they hype stuff. I mean, they were hyping this film, 
year you know years back and you know, it's like the films you know that are coming out next summer are already you know they they already start the hype cycle so it's hyped out so early and we get bits and pieces of news and we get you know five or six trailers and in a lot of cases we end up seeing more of the film so there's not that kind of expectation I, I, of being blown away anymore well what happens to me i don't know if you you relate to this uh is i imagine a better film than the movie i see because mm. i've had so much time to work on it in my mind right uh that so i'll, I'll go into it later uh with just leaves a spot to talk about the, the trailers for suicide Squad. or i'll get into it now actually so for example i'll give you one example in one of the trailers there's a part where uh so the suicide squad's together they're already working and then you hear the joker laugh and then uh, Margot Robbie has uh, Har- as Harley Quinn looks up and she's like, "Uh oh!" Yeah. And I thought, "Oh shit, he's he's here." That that one thing meant so much to me. And, where and you all feel that like, all that turns out to oh, be. Oh, he's is... in. The, he's is he? So he's the Joker's coming to. Is he the enemy, or you yeah. can see it as is he here to uh, make trouble as a third party? So I, it got me thinking so much. Right. And that that moment was just fabricated just for the trailer so so that's one example right, of right. how i can develop a story in my mind that's seemingly more interesting right right um, um yeah you know and it's it's it, this is again i think because they you've got things coming out of uh, events like comic-con and, uh-huh. and all these other events that are scattered throughout the year and you end up getting more and more i mean they by the Super time, Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl stuff spots. You know, by the time yeah. the end of the, the movie gets here, we've seen so many of the best bits. I think, and they, you know, that's what the the trailer editors end up sticking in a lot of times. Uh, I think I think directors need to write down. Like, I don't know if this works or this this way or not. They have to be in control of their trailers. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what I yeah. really feel. That's what Kubrick did. I think. Um, I like what Kubrick did with The Shining. Like he just shot something that was just a trailer. That wasn't even footage from the uh, the film itself. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the the hallway with the the vertical uh, words, right? And then the blood comes out, and you're like, okay, that that that. And or the alien trailer is great. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. It's just going up to the egg, and it cracks, and then that's, that's the end. Of the yeah, we need to get back to sort of we need the, to get back to that. the mystery of trailers, I think, is, yeah. is one of the big things. But yeah. I think part of the problem is now you've got... The, the films are so expensive that when, you know, they don't test well for whatever reason, it's like you've got a, a bunch of corporate heads suddenly running around with, like, chickens with their heads cut off thinking, oh, we got to do reshoots, we got to do this, we got to do that. You know, it's not testing well, so... We have to make radical changes rather than saying. Oh, well, what's your take on it? Because, like, do you believe what they said about their reshoots? Like, because I, I kind of when they when they said it, I was like, well, it's it's too. Like, I, I, I buy the 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 theory that they said that was like, there's no way they could they could do that. They were planning to do that anyways because. It's it's hard to say because it, you know, it came out but. in the wake of the super success of Deadpool, and then so I'm thinking as I'm watching this film, I'm thinking you know is this a case of it was a darker, less funny film, and then they went back and threw in bits and pieces and places to try and lighten it up. I, I don't know how 
they could have done that in such a short amount of time, but you know, it's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I guess if if they throw money at it, they can do anything. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, part of me is like, "Ah, don't do that, you know, because then you might end up with something, you know, it's like doing a twice baked pie or something, you know, it's like, Oh, (laughs) it's undercooked. No, it's overcooked. Well, it's going to be bad either either way. So just just give us the original one, you know, and and let us decide. Um, it is kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I, well, I mean, I'll say like the first of all, the trailers for this film and the um, and the posters and the whole promotional campaign is is brilliant. I think like it's it's the works of art in themselves. I I like the um, like the, you know how we we have a different poster for Hong Kong, mm-hmm. but the one with the like that one with that looks like a like a nuclear explosion collage. Yeah, uh, they have that one in um, in a big big banner in, in causeway bay like by the tunnel yeah but you don't see that one for uh for the subway stops and stuff but uh, i thought that one was a great poster and i liked that the color scheme for it it was such it was so out it's just so so different i've never seen a poster like that before mm-hmm. yeah. and so so it was even that was building excitement for me in a way that i thought oh we're gonna get some kind something kind of alternative with yeah. this yeah um i, I don't know I, yeah i and you know, you read reports about people like uh, getting Rotten Tomatoes uh, shut down, like the partitioning, or there's some people that are suing the company because they said they falsely marketed too much Joker in the film. Like, wow, wow, this is getting it's getting crazy, I, man. Yeah, I read that on didn't Facebook. Seem like I don't know if that's a real thing mm, or not, yeah. but that's what I was reading. Yeah, and um, I, I think that's part of the problem too with a lot of this is these blogs slash entertainment news sites you mm-hmm. know they they have to fill a news cycle you know so a lot of times you don't know whether the story you're reading is completely fabricated or is based on uh, a, a fact that's been skewed somehow mm-hmm. you know because they're just trying to get some buzz they're just trying to get some hits so they can sell more advertising they can make more money and, uh, you know, it just sort of feeds into that whole cycle of what's mm. true, what's not, what do you believe anymore? And part of me wishes that at least the people involved in making films, the studios and stuff, you know, it's fine to go to a Comic-Con, do some promotion. You know, that's something that's been going on for a long time. But, you know, turn off the Rotten Tomatoes, turn off the, you know, Ain't It Cool News and, and, and that stuff, and don't let that affect your process. Because... That that kind of bugs me. You did, know? You, did you have that experience where like you saw the movie and then you had to get rid of all that stuff in your that garbage in your head and just really work through it? Because I, I I had that experience. I think I watched. I've, I've been reading way too much. Yeah. And I need to cut up, cut cut down on that because it yeah, really definitely. it really ruins the movie. Yeah. I think um, you don't get what you think in your head and then. You're like, wait, I didn't have to. Why did I think this to begin? And you, you go back and you, you have to unmake a lot of it, mm-hmm. and it's it's not fun. I don't know if anybody has this experience, but it, it, that's what I had going into this. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, there's there's. I think you can have informational overload. Yeah. With a lot of these media properties these days. Yeah, yeah. And I, if we could just kind of step back, we maybe have a better experience. I, I there was a big hubbub over. We didn't talk about it here, but the whole Ghostbusters thing 
And sure. I kind of did you guys just, review that? No, we didn't review it, but oh, um, sure. I, I, you know, I, I was looking forward to it. I'm a, I was a fan me, of me the too. girls from SNL. I think they're all super funny. I love them working to, you know, that they're working together. I didn't care. I I was kind of disappointed that it was a sort of a reinvention or a reboot rather than a sequel. Uh I thought, you know, them kind of picking up the reins as a Uh sequel would have been equally as interesting. But I was, you know, I went in, my, we, we laughed, my wife liked it. Um, I thought the film did what it had to do. And I was just, you know, I, I have a very difficult time comprehending so much of the negativity that goes on out there i don't know if it's because people just want want attention for the negativity that they're doing or if they really feel that you know they really hate stuff so much that it's not enough that they just can't go see it but they have to be vocal about it you know i I really feel uh the the percentage of people that's online talking about it it doesn't really reflect the masses like i don't think everybody's going online yeah yeah talk about i think these are film passionate people or, or geeks or whatever um i i i don't understand it either mm. and every time i've gone on to like a like a discussion or about ghostbusters nobody ever brings up the second one mm-hmm. yeah and when they do somehow they ignore it like they, they just kind of oh it never happened <laughs> <laughs> okay. and maybe that's how it we happens. feel about ghostbusters too but i'm like I'm like, what are you guys holding on? Like, they, it's not like there was there wasn't a bad Ghostbusters film before this film because right. we had this one. So, so is it as valuable? Like, it, it, are we ruining such a great thing? Maybe not, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't mind. I mean, they want. I mean, and I know the story of how like they tried to get three made for years. Yeah, and they couldn't because Bill Murray didn't want to do it. Yeah, and it. And now they can't. So, so um, uh, there was a guy, Cinema Massacre, uh, Nintendo, uh, angry Nintendo nerd, talking about how he wanted a connective one, a connective version of it, where mm-hmm. like bring brings in the like recruits and then they take it on from there, like kind of like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you we can't really do that respectfully now because one of the guys is dead. Yeah. So you can't do that. <laughs> um, and I think. This movie was only really made only after he died, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they would have, they couldn't, they couldn't settle their argument. Yeah. So uh, this is the only version. Like, so I, I see it kind of very real, real. It's like, okay, well, he didn't want to make it, and now he's dead. They, they gave him a nice tribute. They gave him the like a like his, he had a statue. Yeah. If yeah. you notice, it's like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's an artful way of putting him in there. Um, I liked it. I I I. I I think I want. I chuckled a lot. I really wanted to belly laugh more. Yeah, I did too. I, I was hoping that you know it it would be would have made me been more openly funny than I was expecting. But it was still. I still had a good time with it, and I really appreciated the the sort of love in which it was crafted with reference to a lot of the original. You and know? and it's. It, it it's sort of reinterpreted it into what we in the modern comedy language of now. Yeah. So I I I like that. I like they they did that, and uh, it's not as funny as it needs to be. And uh, and and you know if you notice the funniest parts are not when they're ghost busting; they're just talking. 
Yeah, indeed. So, so that I don't know. Maybe they can uh, combine that a little more. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think there's there's a good intention there, and, and it's kind of sad that that's kind of lost on a lot of people. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, well, I I think we've uh, talked a little bit about the summer films so far this year, and uh, we want to spend more time talking about our specific film for this episode, that is Suicide Squad. So. Why don't we take a short musical interlude and we'll be back to talk about the film. And we're back. The film this week, as mentioned, is Suicide Squad, coming from director David Iyer, who has, you know, he's he's been a writer and director and producer in a, on a few films as well. Probably one of the more recognizable films he's worked on was as a writer for Training Day. Yeah. Um, and you, I think you can get a little bit of a sense of some of that here in, in this film in, in, in some um, ways. Um, but the story itself, basically... Gritty. Very yeah. gritty, gritty, very yeah. uh, into human psychology. Yeah. You know? So the story itself, if you're not aware, is basically a bunch of DC supervillains are gathered together as sort of a secret uh, ops team, and they go on the offensive when one of their own becomes a rogue element. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into some of the more story details as we get further into the discussion, but let me throw it over to Steven. Steven, hey. you're a comic book geek, right? Like I am. Hey, uh, can we just talk about the re- uh, like DC Rebirth just for a second? Sure, sure, sure. Because we both started reading it. I, 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 for anybody who doesn't read comics, I think it's a great time to get into it now, mm. to be honest. Mm. I mean, would you say that too? I, I, yes. I think uh, yeah. they're doing some interesting things with this, this run, I would say. Um, have, you read, have you read uh, New Superman? No, no, I want to. Yeah. I want to. I want to read the Chinese Superman. I want to bow to it. I want to make a <laughs> shrine, man. Oh man! Yeah, I've read the first uh, no, issue. I'm excited because so, it represents yeah. me. He's he's like American Chinese. I'm Canadian Chinese, close enough. So, um, I know I, I want to read that. Is that out yet? Yeah, the first issue. I don't know about the second oh. issue. Okay. Um, I was a little disappointed with the writing. I would say well, and the art's a little bit inconsistent. I like sure. the character, but they are the 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 writer has really. He's kind of gone with the uh, with the the name convention, you know, that is like so old school. So, like, he meets a reporter, and her He's name old. is like Lainey Lan. Oh, know? so it's oh. like instead of Lois Lane, and <laughs> and it's just like oh, really, you guys, really. I mean, it's just but like um, by the end, by the together. end, I think it <laughs> the art gets a little bit more solid and um, gets gets a little bit better. So. Uh, it's a new series. I'm going to give it a shot and and give it a run. Sure, so. sure. Um, you so just quickly, what are you reading? Which I am reading the the Flash, and yeah. I'm reading New Superman, and I'm going to try and get into. I don't, I don't know if it's out. I think it's out. I need to get it. Is the uh, um, 
Constantine series because I like Constantine. So sure, uh, I'm doing Constantine, The Flash, Justice League, Batman, and Superman right now. I started them, but I don't know which one I'll continue yet. So far, I like. I mean, I I think the main story is with Flash, so I'm gonna definitely keep going with Justice League and Flash. Yeah. And Batman, but I, I did read the Hellblazer one as well. So. Yes. But uh, I think it's a great time to get into comics now uh, f- for the DC. I think the DC is doing pretty good comic book wise, but maybe not as well movie wise. But uh, definitely comic book wise, it's pretty cool. Um, well, I, I now there is a new Suicide Squad run, but I haven't gotten into that yet. Uh, well, uh, why I was uh, so back to Suicide Squad? You're asking me like I, I was excited because I, I liked the. Um, the premise of it, I think, uh, in context of what the movies are like. So we've seen uh, Superman now, we've seen Batman and Wonder Woman, but I like I like using a film to introduce villains. That's kind of cool, mm. uh, and we never seen it this way. And I think DC does have better villains, and and um, you know it, it's it's exciting just to see that. And I I, I pictured it. I, I hate saying this, but I thought it was like, oh, this is like Guardians of the Galaxy for DC. Um, when 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 I heard it, now I'm in retrospect. I don't think that's a good comparison anymore. So. Yeah, yeah. It it it's definitely I think establishes a a place of its own. Um, it's not Guardians. It's not Deadpool. Um, I think there's an there's enough meat here for it to stand by itself and and to be I, good I do without, think so too. Um, you know, uh, uh, a, a straight-out comparison with a Marvel property. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it just seems there's something punk rock about it that I just like. There's something like uh, form-changing in its content that I was just excited to see what this director would do. Because the last movie, he he, I, uh, the Tank movie, I, I really liked too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's uh, uh, talk a little bit about the villains themselves. Who was your MVP for the film? Uh, it's probably the Harley Quinn story for me. Yeah. Uh, I I like that. I see. I just the thing with Will Smith is that I'm glad they took a movie star and put it into this character because I don't remember this character having a lot of character. Like I don't know what his personality is yeah. like. I not that I've read him that much. I don't. I would we say he's a B-less, C-less character? Yeah, yeah, he's not a. I mean, I think for the general audience, they're not going to know him with the exception of the DC TV universe. One of the things that DC TV universe has done is at least they've introduced a few people like Deadshot, Amanda Waller, Captain Boomerang. So sure. my wife actually knew who a couple of these people were because she watches uh, Arrow and The Flash oh, with me. So sure. at least to some extent they're out there kind of in the mainstream non-comic book reading culture for at least people who are watching some television. And there um, was a cartoon, uh, Arkham Asylum Assault on uh, uh, yes, Arkham yeah, Asylum, yeah. Yeah. which is based off of the, the, the Batman video games. It's like mm-hmm. a spinoff of that. And I thought that was all right. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen that one. I'm still I was actually away. worried. I was actually worried that this movie version would be an exact, maybe even structurally, not literally. That movie, uh, that cartoon, made into a movie, mm. um, and I, I guess it wasn't. No. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
I, I, that's what I pictured being the basis of it. And I thought like, okay, if, if you make that movie, then I'll, I probably might hate this. Right, but right. they didn't do that, so I'm glad. Um, so as I said, I I, uh, I was charmed by the characters in this film. I really liked the casting. I think everybody was um, most of mo- like say ninety percent of everybody was had the right parts. And there was these were the right actors, and they put them in. They set them in a way that I can watch them for a few movies and and I would enjoy it. That's how I see it. Because um, I, I think it's I mean, enough. Sometimes you have to set them in the right place for them to grow. Yeah, does that make sense? Because we have like a few movies in, so everybody has you have to set them back a little bit. Yeah, and uh, we should probably establish too that yeah. this is a in terms of time, a sequel to yeah. BBS. And yeah. this was yeah. a big question that I had going in: was you know, is this taking place between Man of Steel and BVS or? wasn't really sure where this was in the timeline. So this is picking up months after um, the events of Batman versus Superman. So it's pretty yeah. continuous in terms of the storytelling, which is for right. me a good thing, I think. And it's almost kind of uh, like you can see it as like a linear timeline, but I, I also think it's kind of like a roulette as well because Man of Steel, you see it from Superman's perspective. And then I'd say Batman v Superman is from the human perspective looking at Superman. Mm-hmm. And then for this movie, it's the villains looking at, like on the, on the side of the villains looking to the heroes almost. Yeah. So I, I found that really interesting. And that was, that was kind of like a, almost like, like a comic book way of, of, of telling a story. I don't know if, if you know what I mean. Like um, I, I was writing about this. I was like, I was like, remind me of that, this is this device in Gotham Central, mm-hmm. which is like a comic book series about the police department in Gotham City. They're basically this group of police, but normal people trying to do everything by the book and take down these supervillains, but they're kind of outmatched. And then Batman comes in it, and he makes he he like writes the wrongs, but he causes a lot of trouble for the police department because they can't they can't uh, do every anything the right way with right. this guy meaning so you see batman in a different light and I, I i really liked how they incorporated batman in in this story right um so ben affleck comes in and does a few scenes and i thought wow that that first of all i like how that expands the world because the feeling of the world expanding doesn't always just come from new people or new places it comes from i think i feel like that perspective makes makes it much more uh, it's more, or it's more compelling. It's more powerful to see, like, oh, somebody sees this person differently. Right. I, I really like that. I, I don't think they really did that with Marvel. So I, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't really get the flip side of you don't get the flip side villains um, in focus all that often. Right. Um, maybe maybe one exception would be perhaps the uh, the Dark Knight, right, where we get the Heath Ledger joker performance that's a bit more in focus or at least as much in focus i think as i'd say harvey Batman. dent actually yeah harvey but, dent too to yeah to an extent uh, um i was um, quite surprised because you know going in i was afraid of a couple things i was afraid that this was going to become the will smith show and thankfully it doesn't um i i was you know because he can as a personality kind of dominate uh, mm-hmm. the, the film space and or I even th- the execs would make yeah. it happen. Yeah, and I, I think that it's good that he his name is here 
you know, as a name to bring maybe non-comic fans into the cinema. Right. But he doesn't really overblow the role, and and you know he's not really outshining. And so for me, I would agree. I think the most the, the MVP for me ended up being Margot yeah, sure. Robbie's role of oh. um, Harley Quinn. Oh, you too. Which I think she just you know in, in terms of the whole roster of what I've experienced before in the character in the animated series and in other places, I think she nailed it. I think she she brought, nailed it. Um, you know, a, a sense of the comic bookness of the character, but also brought in enough of sort of her own little uh, tw- tweaks in terms of the performance to make well, it her own, you know. What I liked, uh, and I'm really nitpick, like I'm really getting into what she did with it, like because you're, you're mentioning it now, is uh, what I really liked was that uh, she's not the Harley Quinn persona all the time. So so she's actually not playing Harley Quinn. She's playing like a damaged Harley Quinzel. Mm-hmm. And she kind of she'll dip in and out depending contextually who she's around or what she's doing. So like in her more quiet moments, um you'll see it in the film. I'm uh, um not, not not we're not spoiling it, right? So uh you'll see her when she's more she's back into the, being that psychiatrist again. Like that's that's still in there mm-hmm. she's not complete like this and i feel that damage is um a great it's a great choice because she's put herself in a nicer more interesting dramatic position mm-hmm. and it's more interesting to watch as well i yeah. think like because she's if she's totally crazy then it's hard to uh it's hard to relate to her but right. she makes it uh, there, there's a heartbeat in this person like you can feel she still feels and she still thinks things. She she's sort of aware of her own insanity in, in that yeah. sense. And it's, and that, it's funny and too because there was a scene where the characters get kind of sucked into a an idyllic dream sequence. And, yes, and so we yes. see we see you know what's really at the heart of her, and yeah, it it, it ultimately makes sense in terms of yeah. why the character is like the character is. Um, right. You know, so I think that works really really well. And. And I think this movie, like, uh, has heart to it. Um, like, it got, it, like, I, I felt touched by it at times. Um, maybe because I'm more predisposed because I, I, I like these characters, but, but it still got me. And I, I think, I do think it is a character piece, ultimately, yeah. like this film. And, and you, if you yeah. don't like these characters, then well, it's as, a, as an ensemble, too, well, like with anything, ensemble. like with an Ocean's Eleven or or any kind of sort of ensemble uh, uh, yeah, cast, you're uh, yeah, going to have I mean, favorites and, and people that don't work quite as well. No, and I, I like character interactions. Like, like just them talking is great Yeah, yeah. for me. Um, uh, and and uh, some of the action, too, is a bit, I mean, it's fine, but the monsters that they end up fighting are just kind of there, right? They're just kind of like these these faceless blob, blob of culture they're, automatons. They're there to initiate know. the team. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. Uh, and I agree with you with Will Smith. It's like, wow, like, do you do you feel like you miss Will Smith being cool again? And then now he's kind of cool again. You know, like, like you remember, like when Men Men Black Three came out, you're like, dude, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're like the old guy trying to be cool, and then now he's kind of like, he kind of ditched his son, and now he's cool again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gotta blame Jaden. I'm so right? glad he didn't Jayden. have Jaden play his daughter in this or something. <laughs> like, like that. I'm yeah. so glad. Um, 
Well, let's okay. let's let's flip the the side now of the sure. of the crew. Yeah. Uh, biggest disappointment. Uh, let me see. Well, I, you, you know what? I I wish there was a pre-mission mm-hmm. where we. F- I, I wish their first engagement wasn't with these monsters. I wish there was something where they. You know how, like in a heist movie, you you have that pre-mission or yeah, yeah. Guardians, they, they have that first time where they you see their abilities, but they're not working together yet. I wanted that scene. Mm-hmm. So therefore, my I guess my disappointment is uh, not seeing more of Slipknot, which is a weird thing to say because mm. I think they could have done a little more before they killed them all. Maybe I think yeah, I think there, Slipknot uh, was just the, <laughs> there to be a red shirt, basically, but uh, <laughs> to prove a point. Yeah, but like wow, I'm, I'm just imagining my life as that act, uh, Adam Beach because he's he's on a promotional tour. He's in the interview, sitting there, and he's so his acting job is isn't the part. It's the promotional campaign, just mm. pretending he's important part of the movie. And then, like, he's on a social media thing when they were making, like, the, you know, what the group selfies and stuff. And yeah. you're like, wow, he's, he must have, but he's not. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like... and I'm like, wow, shit, man, yeah. that would suck. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I think for me, the biggest, um, the, the biggest disappointment, and I kind of knew this going in what it was going to be and i had hoped because i mean once you get into the heart of what's going on it deals a lot with um, mysticism and things that might you know people coming out of a batman v superman movie might not be prepared for but this stuff does kind of exist in the dc universe and and yeah and it's i mean this is sort of one next to kryptonite this is like the big foil for superman right is yeah um, people who can do magic so it does serve to sort of extend the stage and the need for a Justice League, right? That's uh, so. So that's kind of the, the the reason this movie's here is to have an event that says, "Well, we kind of need you know these guys to to come together and to to be above I, the law in a sense." Um, you, you know, I actually like Zack Snyder's idea on that. Actually, like mm-hmm. killing Superman is kind of important in that in that way because like it's harder to recruit a team, like a super team right right if he's around right. and his, his absence does does kind of create the need for this and other things you know right like right just sleeping form but i think for me in terms of the team the biggest disappointment was killer croc overall um just yes. because i think that the his portrayal i mean the the actor did a fine job I just, to me, this is a character that needs to be done Mr. like Echo. the Hulk, right? Mr. Echo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this this needs to be their Hulk character, basically. This needs to be not be a guy in a suit. This needs to be a bigger-than-life, you know, CGI-esque kind of, of creation. And um, I was did just you, disappointed. Just a quick trivia thing. Uh, they were They cut King Shark out of this. Oh, they did. They, they they chose him for Killer Croc for that exact reason you're saying because uh, David Ayer said he didn't want a CGI character uh, next to all these people. Mm. So that's why that's why he did what he did. That's why. Let's going. see if that's what he wanted to do. I would have gone. I wouldn't have gone with Killer Croc either. I would have gone with, uh, you know, somebody, somebody much more human esque. I mean, there there's such a wide range of, <laughs> of you know, a pantheon of villains they could have gone with. Killer Croc. I mean. 
if you look at him in the animated series, if you look at him in the video games, I mean, he's not a human-sized dude. He's And part of me was hoping that, like, all right, well, maybe there, we're going to get into kind of an origin thing. Something's going to happen, and it's going to augment him somehow by the end of the film. And, and right. they didn't they didn't really go in that direction either. You, I, I can see you seeing him as, like, the wild card of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what we got at all now. Yeah. But I, I can see why you would think that. Like, this needs to be the Hulk guy. The Hulk guy actually ends up being uh, El Diablo. Yeah, yeah. And he does yeah. a good job. I, you know, I think he's good got job. probably my second favorite uh, arc uh-huh. uh, of, the, of the team. Um, um, I was a little bit disappointed with Katana. Um, here too, a, a character that's been introduced in the DC TV universe. It just, I, her as a character is just a bit too on the nose for me. Um, you know, I would have, I would have rather, I, I would have, well, I, if they're going to, you know, okay, she's Asian, she uses a sword, she's got a Japanese oh, okay. flag that's for a true. mask. I mean, I would have rather they pulled in um, the, the same actress to play as uh, the female version of Dr. Light, you know, as a, a you know. You know, uh, it was, I found it a little awkward when, like, like the way they, so she, the first time she comes in, she just joins them into the hel- in the helicopter. Yeah. And the introduction she gets is like Rick Flagg just says, like, uh, don't be cut by her sword because her sword will lock your soul into that. And I found that line, that must have been a hard line to deliver yeah. for the actor. But the way they cut it was like, oh, like, 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 like you would say something like that and then nobody has like a puzzled look. Like they didn't have time for that. Yeah. And I thought, like, okay, well, maybe it was better just not to say anything. <laughs> for me, for me, because, like, you can't... Yeah, how do you respond made, to you that? You raised 2,000 questions in my head yeah, at that yeah. moment, and we can't answer it. So, yeah. like, um, I, I think her her functionality was just action-based. I, yeah. I, I don't think they gave her a lot of characterization. I mean, the um, actress, they pulled new actress. She was fine. I'd love to see her in more stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the, I'm so I my my biggest complaint is just the sort of on the nose nature of, of um, the character herself. Um, I think there I are I do wonder if that actress yeah. can um, can own like like if I feel like the costume is wearing her right now mm-hmm. because we but 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 that's also because we haven't seen she hasn't given a lot of characterization right. But I I don't feel her personality. Th- through the mask right now as 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 it is because maybe but she doesn't have a lot of screen time so yeah yeah um well why don't we talk about of course then uh yeah the joker yeah played by uh jared leto uh i, I like his band 30 seconds to mars i've actually met him twice in concerts and stuff so i've had conversations with him mm-hmm. <laughs> um which is kind of cool that like someone like I just follow as a musician is like oh the Joker now I've, I can say I've met the Joker uh, twice so um, I you know what I like about this Joker is that it it he's he's a Joker that you can work for and get a salary from mm. does that make sense to you like so what I mean is by that is like he's not completely insane. As in, this guy has an operation. He has a business that he's running. They've kind of taken this aesthetic from like um, he feels he looks like a drug cartel boss or like someone like Scarface or somebody. And 
I I think his insanity is is not it's not an, like that anarchic terrorist we got from the Dark Knight. It's like I can see people working for him and getting paid momentarily. Like he's not gonna set a bunch of money on fire and like the henchmen just stand there because uh, maybe they're equally crazy or that they're scared to take a dollar <laughs> from that pile. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So there's something real about that. Um, and there's something theatrical about it that I liked because he has these thematic henchmen, like kind of like Cesar Romero from the TV series. Mm-hmm. So like, you know how you had like three guys and they had the other t-shirt like ha, he and ho or something like yeah, that. Yeah. They had the David Ayer version of that. They had these guys dressed as like, an, like he had a mask as an eyeball. There was like, uh, there was a guy dressed as Batman. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's kind of funny. Like it's if you if you look into it, um, it, it, they shot it really quickly. It goes by really. It's kind of, and um, I, I mean I, I I like I like him back as a mobster. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I think I for me think that doing was, him as smart. So. I, I think for me though that was probably the the part that let me down a little bit. That he huh? was just so much more gangster than clown. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, 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 I needed at least a, you know, a, a, a hand buzzer shocker or uh, a, uh, you know, uh, an acid squirting carnation or something, you know, that, yeah. that you know, a, a Joker bomb or something that made him less of an Al Capone or you know less of a gangbanger, and yeah. more of a, a, a supervillain. You know, I mean, at least at the very least with Harley Quinn, you know, she didn't really use it, but at one point she pulls out her sledgehammer. Right? You know, it's there. Right. It's I I, I just felt that the, the sort of the window dressing of iconography that helps us identify the Joker was so not there. I mean, even I mean the makeup is toned down. Um, to an extent, and and that's fine. I mean, uh, the one thing I really did like was that we do get in a, in a series of flashbacks, we get sort of the Harley Quinn origin story. Yeah, this uh, let's say that Joker in this story is just used to support the Harley Quinn right. story. He doesn't. But it, and but it, the, but the it thing does, is, there's not a lot of him to really judge anything. Actually, no, no. I that's, mean, that's he, part of the problem. Like, that's not really a problem. I just I don't really have a fully formed thought on it. Uh, yet, yeah, because I haven't seen enough. And we, you know, they, there, there's definitely potential for them to develop that down the road, right? I'm not saying that, uh, I'm, I'm by no means saying that Leto is a terrible Joker, that he's the worst Joker ever, anything like that. I think the, the kind of personality, the kind of mannerism he brought to the role was fine. I just think it can go further. I think that there can be more of the, the comic book esque Joker that we know. Just mm-hmm. like they gave us some of the comic book esque Harley Quinn that we know, but um, they do sort of do this sequence, this flashback sequence, where they show him basically giving Harley Quinn the Joker treatment, right? That 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 mm-hmm. uh, that is a callback to I think the um, Alan Moore um, uh, killing is it the killing joke, killing joke. Right? Yeah. Which um, is that, that, that? show? Yeah, I haven't seen the cartoon. No, I've okay, just read okay, the cool. But but it's you know that 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 sort of creation myth of the Joker that's kind of become canon. 
um, they do pay homage to that here, and they kind of lead Harley Quinn through that, which I think was great. It was a great. I, you know what I loved about that scene was that uh, she chooses it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. That one single touch is the is probably it makes it so much better. Yeah, for me, um, because uh, she she totally takes it, and it's 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 it. it it's not like how it happened in the comics, but but. Uh, uh, it's also it's still faithful because I think their whole dynamic is uh, she's obsessed with him and I think she wants to to please some part of him to heal him yeah and he he's obsessed with her because he he wants to see how far he can she can take it yeah I think I think and then in their so they kind of fill their the whole that the, the vacuum of, of that and yeah. and I do like the dynamic of their relationship because his obsession with her is equally strong in some ways right I mean and much more so than if you look at for example the relationship between the Mark Hamill voiced uh, animated series Joker and Harley right. Quinn where she's much more of a just a minion in his eyes even though she fawns over him here I mean he almost has a, a, an equally obsessive need for her um yeah 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 and i i like that it, that was in the uh that was in the club scene with common yeah ca cameoing uh i i like that one too because it was like he calls her I, I i don't know if you saw it like this so he called it oh so you he Common's like complimenting him and he's using like he's using you know um gangster speak and he's like you you got yourself a, a bad bitch and then they go could cut back to Leto, and then something flicks into the Joker, and like as if he was taunted. And I, I, I think I think he doesn't like her calling her a bitch. I, mm -hmm. I, I think that's what set it off. Yeah, yeah. Like, I and then that he too. he completely turns this thing around, and and uh, so he calls her over, and he has him sit down to to taunt him, and then he shoots him. Yeah. So I thought, okay, and then and then as. Uh, common was complimenting her you see her him looking to the side to kind of check on what she's doing like as if because uh, she's kind of dancing with another girl mm. so you can see like okay he this is a kind of he's so he's kind of in this way always testing her to see like if she'll or of how faithful she is to right, him right so i i, I that's all like i i'm not it's a lot of detail i'm, I'm putting in but I, that's all i i saw that i really like that the dynamic they built Mm. Now I heard in the uh, there was a list uh, that came online of the, all the deleted scenes, mm -hmm. and it seems like they cut out all the stuff of her, of him abusing her. Mm. Um, and I don't think so. I, I think that's okay because we've this is just an introduction so far, and we can totally see that later in in another movie. And yeah, that's yeah. okay. I don't. I'm not, I'm not, I don't. I don't think they've tried to make it more likable for audiences right now but i i, I kind of like for i mean it could, it could change in another movie like because the joker kind of dips in and out of like he'll he'll like her at one moment and abuse her the next yeah but i i don't mind that in this in the time frame of this movie that he's he's in love with her i was kind of i thought it was kind of sweet actually yeah. in in the context of them not right. i don't want to live life like this but like 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 what and then i heard uh from a Kevin Kevin Smith podcast that Paul Dini cried 
when he saw this, the sarcastic, like he actually loves her. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that was kind of cool. If the creator thought so. Yeah. No, I I, she did. Okay. A, she did a bang up job. I think she nailed it. Um, it's interesting too that there are a couple of Easter eggs out there. Uh, addressing a few things, I won't spoil them here, but you can, you know, look at, look them up on your own risk. They do address the death in the family um, uh, Easter egg from BVS and yeah. um, talk a little bit about um, sort of her role in in much of that. And there's a there's an Easter egg you can catch on that. Oh, I I read that this morning. And also the teeth, Joker's grill, as it were. Why don't we just talk? Wait, wait, why don't we just talk about it? Well, okay, all right. We're gonna spoil spoil a couple things. Okay. So if you uh, if you uh, so this don't is hear... uh, this isn't something you see in the movie, I, I think, because uh, the just the director confirmed it in an interview. Yeah, that's how well, I saw well, it. Well, so. the 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 one one of them is in the movie. The, um, there's a brief scene where I guess they're looking on the computer and the profiles are coming up, or, or maybe it was in the vanilla folder. Um, when Amanda Waller's talking, but there's a thing that lists the crimes of Harley Quinn, mm -hmm. and she's as uh, listed Accompl as accomplice to the murder of Robin. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So there's that connection back to the death in the family um, uh -huh. issue, and then the directors come out and and said that um, you know it was the Joker along with her who killed Robin, mm -hmm. and as a result, Batman then uh, punched his teeth out. Which right. is why he has a grill now, which, and which is also, something I speculated about a long time ago. When wait, he, when me they, too, me too, and I thought that was cool if that really happened. And then I'm like, okay, cool, I like that. Yeah, I actually like that. And then that's why he wrote "damaged" on his um, forehead because yeah. he's not—he's not beautiful anymore or something. So, um, I thought it was cool. I thought I—I like—I like that, and I, uh, yeah, and and you know the tattoos have a meaning. So okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and this is all sort of that the, his like tattoos on his head and things are but, uh, sort of the fallout from that encounter, which right. again builds some continuity and and it allows people who don't like the tattoos to say, well, okay, the you know the my Joker from before had this thing happen and this is the you know the the one that he becomes as a result mm -hmm. of that thing mm -hmm. and th that is i think that works very well for for me at least but paul do you feel like we're like w warner brothers like they had success with the dark knight films with nolan but then um when that trilogy ended that's i remember that going side by side with the avengers movie right uh, mm -hmm. when it came out that summer and um and and then it was like the end of one era and then and a new era started where these movies are connective and it's one universe yeah I, they, I think we have in, to... in the bits of that they pitched man of steel which was i think supposed to be a singular move like just with one hero and one universe in it and it sort of they had to change really quickly yeah well they're trying and to keep up with marvel and, and the style of what they chose for man of steel was so nolan influenced yeah that it was harder to uh expand that and i think they i, I think we kind of have to ditch the nolan stuff because he's not directing it yeah it's not well, they're, they're still they're still dealing with the repercussions of the tone that he established in that film right and having that sort of carry over and i think this i think david Ayer does a good job here of, of working kind of working, working within that that universe but also establishing a tone of his own right 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 you know, and and uh, I think that that is why, like back to what you said before, I think 
that is why, without with the little time they spent on it, uh, why the magic comes off the the weakest link in this film. Yeah, because it, you know how like so like they keep saying like uh, DC's speeding up; they're not taking their time and stuff. To some, there's some truth in that because we we saw like a halt. We saw they established this this film language by having like separate movies where so we had we had science first we had iron man incredible hulk and then we it didn't really change to a floor for me Mm. and i was like oh okay okay i can see it working all together now and then uh when you had um uh so 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 i don't i don't think i don't know if it'll change again with doctor strange that's that's the kind of cool thing yeah about that and then so so they kind of built it there already so um, I don't see the exact point of going through that again with, with, with Warner Brothers, mm. uh, with DC. I think they can jump it, but I, yeah, I think they could still do it better. So, well, anyways, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's. Uh, I, I think that, uh, that there's definitely room for growth here, and that we're going to be getting some films from different directors is mm-hmm. is going to be a good thing. Um, there's talk of a sequel for this also being done by David Ayer. So, uh, but yeah, I'd welcome, uh, welcome more from this, from this film. I think he, uh, no, you, can you, you want to talk about the directing, anything like that? Uh, sure. Did you have any thoughts? Well, I, I, you know, again, with an ensemble piece, I think that huh? you get more focus on some things than others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, again, you do mention some of the hero cameos were given a very brief, cameo of um the flash right yeah that was cool and which was good it was unexpected and the other thing about that though is uh, again here because we are shown in bvs footage of uh barry allen you know but not footage of him as the flash so at least sometime between whenever that footage was taken i don't know how current it was when it was being seen by you know bruce wayne you mean the, the 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 convenience store? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. So so between then and the interim of this film, some months later, he becomes the fully suited Flash, and he's captured right. Captain Boomerang, right? Right, um, right. That's sort of the the limited background we get on the Captain Boomerang character. Um, uh, Paul, did you notice that his lightning is blue? Was it? Yeah, I don't, I didn't remember that. Isn't it supposed to be yellow? Um, Even in the trailer, when he they throw the batarang, he like I, I like, but but you, I'll say this: I, I like how when he flashes, it's it it really feels like he's accessing like another dimension. Mm, yeah, like I, I think they made that feeling right. But but the lightning is blue. I thought. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch. I'll have to go back and watch. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that was such a short scene, and it happened so quick. I didn't. No, no, and it was cool. Like, I think, uh, yeah, I think I imagine people cheering for that, um, and I like the Batman cameos too. I like, I like, um, it, uh, yeah, I've said that already. Like, yeah. I like it felt like the animated series. I like how he whips out handcuffs. Yeah. So, like, just that little detail is so important because okay, so he's back to being normal Batman again. Yeah, he's moved on from the branding. He's, yeah, yeah, he, he, I think he gave it up. Yeah. <laughs> So that's cool. Um, and and just for uh, to be aware for those of uh-huh. we, we we've spoiled things, but there is a mid credit scene, but no end credit scene. So mm-hmm. um, you know, there's uh, there's nothing all the way at the tail end, but there is sort of a uh, an important scene right after sort of the mid credits. 
Yeah. Was, you know what? That was a gr- that was a great mid mid credit scene. Yeah, indeed. I, I'm glad. Uh, it it in the sense that it gave me a tease, and it moved things forward uh, just a little bit that I could have um, that make that would connect to the next movie and and you know um, it it shouldn't have been in the in the in the movie so it, it was perfect yeah it's like yeah. a perfect middle scene um, I don't want to spoil it I think that that that's fun to to see it went the first time um, yeah indeed and it's it's obvious so you know what what it what it's trying to do so I don't want to spoil Right. Um, Any final thoughts that uh, you want to well, share? Well, I, I, you know, I feel like this film just didn't... It, so I was charmed by its characters. I wish they were on a better mission. I wish there was a better an, uh, antagonist. Uh, I, I'm going to get into spoiler territory. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. So there's a point where they reached their target in a mission, and they opened the door, and the, there's a person they're supposed to be rescuing, and it's it that twist is kind of stupid. Like that's where the st- like that I can actually mark. Like if I was watching it with you, I'd be like, pause there. That's where it gets stupid. Right. Because uh, it start stuffs the 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 fridge logic of the film starts to to you start to catch up with it right after that. Yeah. And it was like okay, so the, all this was just the they were just trying to save the person that was controlling them the whole time. So, like, there's this thing, it's like this, it's like an M. Night Shyamalan level of <laughs> twist. It, it's so stupid. Like, that they were controlling them, and Amanda Waller's running things from the room, and they're on this mission, and they're supposed to get a target X, they don't know who it is, and they arrive, and it's the, it's the control room they're in. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Which that makes I no say, sense. I will say this, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming, but... <laughs> If you see, if you told that to the writer, they'd be like, "No, but you would never see that." Come. But it's not worth it. It's yeah. so stupid for the the logic leap of it. It's so stupid. And then, and then something sec right after that, when in that room, uh, something else stupid happens. Is that uh, Amanda Waller? I think this is a see. This works as a character moment, but if it doesn't fail, it fails story. This is why I think this movie completely serves character, but not story. So she takes a gun and she executes uh, her staff who are deleting the drive. They're, they're basically cleaning up the room uh, literally and digitally. And she shoots them in the head, uh, like four people. And she says, uh, these people needed to die because they, they didn't were have not, clearance. Didn't have, but that, that means they wouldn't have worked in the room. Yeah. And which, which is a bigger problem is that I, can, I have no problem with her shooting people. I think she, has, she is cruel enough to do stuff like that. That's fine. That's a great... Save that for something else, but I think uh, she would be it, smarter it was than a, that it to was get a, herself in the situation. Yeah, it was a forced moment just to it kind of show moment. her. And it, it also weakened the Rick Flag character because he just shrugs it off and he says, uh, everybody does bad things. Yeah. And I thought I was like, that was so, so like, it, it's like this especially triple. Especially since a big portion of the Rick Flag character is, is kind, of, kind of, well, not just that, but getting in a peeing contest with. Deadshot, Deadshot, you know, yeah. and and it's like, well, we, you know, Deadshot says to him, he's just like, well, we both kill people for money, you know, you just oh. get paid by the government. <laughs> so you were asking me what I was most disappointed by. I didn't, I didn't give you an answer yet. I think it was Rick Flag actually, because mm. I thought he, he seemed the most bland out of all of them. And then you know, um, Tom Hardy was supposed to play that role, and then The Revenant got delayed. 
because yeah. they moved to South America because the snow melted. And then he couldn't do this role. And I'm kind of glad because yeah. I think uh, Tom Hardy could totally be used somewhere else in a better part um, in the DCU, hopefully. Just not Bane again. Just not Bane again. Um, but, but you know, do some... But I, I, I'm glad it wasn't this part. Yeah. Well, Rick, Rick Flagg is not, as a character, is not super interesting to begin with. Um, right, right, right. So I, I think the, the, the bigger problem for me with his character was trying to establish the nature of his relationship with Enchantress, which right. is sort of a linchpin in, in everything. I right. think they maybe needed more, a bit more time with that to get it, make it feel a bit more invested maybe. Um, but that's just yeah. me. Yeah. That's yeah. just how I read it. Um, so what was I talking about? Rick flag. So, so I, I didn't like that moment from then on, mm-hmm. but they got me, it got me back. The movie got me back when they, they went into the bar scene and I, I thought, so they reestablish, uh, the Deadshot story and uh, Harley Quinn is sort of mourning the Joker, which I really liked because I thought uh, we know that he's not dead. We know that, but it's it, that's not the point. The point is you see her entire reaction yeah. to him dying and the disappointment. So, so, and that kind of, I found that endearing that she was sort of mourning. Apparently they recut that scene. Originally he, um, he pu- he pushes her off um, to kill her, but they they had the plane explode first, and then he pushes her or something. I I read something like that, hmm. but I'm glad they reworked it because it, it worked better for the. It got it got it, it was the heart of the story that got me, and then and then um, I like the El Diablo story as well. So it got me back from the the bar scene. I know the bar scene is much longer than it, it is, uh, so I I would have been happy to. Uh, see a f- more full version of that again I, yeah. I don't this film's in control of itself it's it's it feels cut way too quickly and you know online people are saying how the how the soundtrack is um too chop uh, it gets in and out mm-hmm. it's awkward and I, I i don't think the song choices themselves are wrong i think uh the songs don't have a time to breathe because you know, if you remember, uh, and first of all, Guardians of the Galaxy does not own pop soundtracks. There are pop soundtracks before this, yeah. so that's I don't I don't disagree with that entirely. But I think like in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, they they play in like a, at least a portion of the song. But like this one, they would be like they're dressing up, so they play Eminem, but it's cut so quickly and it happens so short that he can't get to a point where you feel that that music marries with the footage. Yeah. And then it's already over. So, so I think that's the problem, not the music itself. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think um, some of the choices too were maybe not as uh, well calculated as what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of some of the some of the thematic feeling to it. It just right. felt like they, oh, we'll pick, we'll put an Eminem song here because that's rap and gangsterish, and well, you know. Um, I think the, the the one that worked the best for me was when Harley Quinn went, goes up in the elevator and she kind of has her own monologue of violence, weird. right? You know, that was um, weird to me because um, and and there's there's a one thing I had really had a difficulty with this movie and putting up that scene was that I had pro- problem tracking where people were because people they they the way it was cut 
they never felt like they walked into a place and stayed there for a while. They they, they kept jumping space. Hmm. So I'll give you examples. Like when she goes up the elevator, the crew is entirely behind her. She's going forward first. Yeah. And and then the last you see the crew on the ground floor is that they they start you know they start shuffling and they run up. And then she she fights like three people in the elevator. The door opens. They're already standing there. Yeah. So how did they beat her going up? I, I don't understand that. They would have to have like flash speed to do that or something. <laughs> like would, so like there's stuff like that that like that throws you off a little bit. I don't yeah, know. It threw yeah. me off. I don't know if it, it's just a bit jarring. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, so you like the music choice for that scene? For that scene, I think it you know it worked well and. Again, it's really just a, trying to be a monologue for her to be violent and kind of stand on her own. You know what I thought it was? I thought it was a reshot scene so they can uh, have a, the Joker send her a text or something. I thought that's what maybe it was. Or, um, But you maybe you're right. Maybe it's a scene for her just to maybe. be alone. I, I, yeah, I think it needed... Because, uh, you know, it's like Deadshot gets his moment where he's he, on top of the car and basically kind of doing his own thing and yeah. i mean it, it's it's a toss-up between the two of them really right because right? you have him and his story with his daughter and then you've got her and her story with the mm-hmm. joker and the other players are kind of there i mean diablo he kind of takes center stage at the end right yeah um so they're they're kind of trying to give at least a, a bunch of them a moment to kind of shine on their own yeah. And uh-huh. so that was her moment, and and I thought it worked well because you know a lot of me a lot of me is sitting there saying, for a good portion of the film, saying, okay, she's got a spiky bat, you know, she's got a mallet. What's she going to be doing against these supernatural things? And so I think it worked well to to establish that okay, she's at a point where she can you know kick butt and take names on her own. She doesn't need to rely necessarily on the strength of the group and kind of just be a person who hangs in the back and cracks wise. Mm-hmm. So I think in doing that, in doing that scene, it kind of helped bring her up, at least in terms of her being able to hold her own in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I like the El Diablo not fighting, but then but then the part where, like, it's in the trailer, it's not a spoiler, um, Will Smith, like, taunts him. And he, I thought that, that was too easy somehow. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was... And I thought there there might have been more. There, I, I keep feeling there was more to this movie. Don't, don't you feel that when you watch this yeah, movie? Yeah, like, a bit. You keep feeling like, uh, uh, and you're like, oh, that that could have. Oh, okay. And then and there was. I mean, there's a scene. There's a scene. They, the way they cut one of the trailers. There's a scene where you see that scene, and mm-hmm. then they jump to the bar scene, and he says he wants he a glass of water, water and right, that's right. totally not in the film. Um, uh, yeah, I saw more. I saw more of the film from the trailer than the actual film. <laughs> Like the they use different parts of the you seen it and I'm like okay okay yeah it I and the thing is he says this is the director's cut well uh, I, he was going to press saying but I I don't believe it's it. the director's I, cut until we get a director's cut <laughs> I think I, I think I we'll get an ex- I think we'll definitely get an extended I think version. we will I'm gonna I must I have my you know. my money on it you know? um so. Um, Right. Um, um, yeah. well, let's let's wrap things up and talk a little bit just about in in terms of the scope of the DC movies thus far. This is the mm-hmm. you know the third uh, with Man of Steel, um, BVS, and now this. Where does this rank for you? Uh, 
I guess this is actually the third one. <laughs> mm. I I guess I like Man of Steel and then the Ultimate Edition of Batman v Superman and then this, I guess. But I still had fun and I'd like to remind everybody that Marvel had a rough start as well. So uh, I'm not... I don't... I don't feel cynical about these movies at all. I don't pick a side. I, I try to enjoy them. To be honest, I enjoyed it more than X-Men Apocalypse. Um, I enjoyed it more than Star Trek Beyond um, out of the summer. So I think um, it's I, it could have been much better. And I'm glad. I, I really wish they believed in the, their own team, to be right, honest. Right. The deliver. Um, it seems like there's something in they're just not in control of what they're doing so so it's in the way of what we want and what they they want to give us yeah um yeah uh yeah six six point five seven yes uh, right, you're very good I, for me it, it's um i'd have to reverse it i'd say it's on the top for yeah me. Oh. i liked the ensemble nature i liked the fact that I had more characters to choose from and that they at least for in a couple of cases, they they nailed some of the personalities um, as I've seen and read them before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, second is BVS and third is still Man of Steel down mm-hmm. at, the, mm-hmm. at the bottom in terms of, you know, because I, when I look at these, I'd like, well, how soon, how quickly do I want to watch it again? And I'd be much more willing to sit down and watch this, you know, tomorrow mm-hmm. um, than I would want to see um, Man of Steel. Uh-huh. Um, and BVS, I do need to see the Ultimate Edition. I haven't actually watched that yet. I've heard it's a better cut. Oh, you have not? So, yeah, I've got to get to oh. that in this. In the we should review future. that, man. We should review that. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, uh, and, but uh, this one, arguably speaking, you can say it has more heart to it than Man of Steel. Because Man of Steel, you can argue that it loses its heart halfway through and then, and then it kind of forgets its, its, what it built. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I feel somehow I feel more attached to these characters. So so um, that's yeah I, yeah I don't know I I, I I enjoyed it for what it was, um, but I, I still think it could be a lot better. I think, but I'm I'm not less excited about anything. So I still want to see this version of the Joker. I want to see Harley Quinn again. I want to see Deadshot again. I want to see the Amanda Waller character again. Uh, like I like how they're expanding this world. I like we get different perspectives. I like, um, and hey, we DC's beat Marvel to their first uh, women starring solo movie. So you know they're yeah. doing some things right. You know, yeah, so yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, and I, I you know, uh, I, I think things will change with the Flash coming, and I, I kind of already feel it. Mm-hmm. You, you see how he's 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 the Joker, like he's the he's he's the tension breaker of the group, mm. and um, uh, yeah, it, I think it'll change into something we like, and I think they'll. I guess I, I what I really hope is they they shed that knowingness of it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they, they're not they're just trying they're trying to fabricate it. It's not it, I have nothing against Nolan. I'm just saying they. Um, He's he's not there anymore, you know. Right. It's just he, he, he. From what I read in the press, it's like before they make every movie, 
they go visit him and Zack Snyder just talks to him about things and then and then I think that's what his role is. Mm. I mean executive producer is a very vague title yeah. from what I understand. It can mean anything. Yeah. Like uh Stephen Chow was the executive producer on Dragon Ball Evolution and all he did was just give him some thoughts and they didn't use them. Yeah. So I I think they need to take him off that pedestal a bit or just do their own thing. Yeah. I don't I don't think we're in a new era. Uh and we we should stop comparing everything to what he's he's done. I don't think everything needs to be the Dark Knight. Yeah. So I'd agree. I definitely agree. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. You have been listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jubauer of Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Research come from a variety of sources uh, on the internet, but primarily for our West our East Screen films, that is lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. We also get a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. If you would like to be part of the show, get in touch with us via our website at concast.com. Uh, check us out on Twitter at concast. You can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com. And you can check us out on Facebook at East S West S. But uh, before you do any of that, I urge you to go and follow with uh, Stephen and what he's doing, all mm-hmm. of his uh, his events and his his various uh, comedy musings and everything else that he's talking about. Uh, so where can they find out more about you, sir? Uh, Twitter at N G C H I K I U, and I'll be posting uh, for upcoming shows and uh, open mic nights. For those that are interested in trying open mic in Hong Kong or uh, to want to see a show, uh, come by, uh, comedy.hk, and also standup-hk.com. All right, excellent. Um, So our next episode is going to be episode 203. I think we're going to be back to an East Screen film with the latest uh, TVB movie uh, Mm -hmm. with uh, Louis Koo. And Nick Chung in the Line Walker, uh, the movie, uh, as it as it's called. I think that's up next, or maybe it, I'm, it's uh, is it like a uh, like a sequel to a TV show? Yeah, it's a TV oh, drama okay. that yeah, came yeah, yeah. out in uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. And so, but Lewis and Nick were not in the drama. Only Char- Charmaine <laughs> Shed was also yeah. in the movie. So right. it's, uh, they've, they've done this a couple times. They've carried over into uh, cinema. So I think that's coming up next. But something will be there on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen Rescue Podcast saying, We're not going to kill you. We're just going to.